0: Good morning. morning. It's good to see all of you here. If you are normally with us, either in person or online, welcome. It's good to see you again. If you are not normally here and you're visiting, either in person or online, welcome. Thank you for joining us. And if you're here from Murfreesboro, that's good too. Wow, some of you know this already, but today I have the unenviable task of making sense out of Leviticus chapter 12. At least that's how I've been viewing it for the past several weeks. Uh, I did get past all of that though, just so you know. And I'm actually kind of excited about this message. Uh, it follows along in the series that we are currently in. We've been running through the book of Leviticus, and we've identified at least three different series so far. This series is called Invasive God, and it's because God just kind of is invasive, Um he wants into the details of our lives. In fact, he wrote very specific and detailed laws in order to inject himself into our lives. That's not really right, though. I mean, that's how we see it, because... We want to run our lives our way, and if God imposes some laws, we feel like he's just trying to butt into my business, but that's not it. We identified early on in Leviticus that God was actually training his people for a relationship with him. He's actually not trying to curtail what we do. He's actually trying to set us free into a relationship with him that is not blocked by who we are and what we bring to the table. So here's what I want to do this morning. See how I just got you completely away from Leviticus 12 there for a minute? So we need to run back to Leviticus 12. And I'm actually going to read the whole chapter which is only eight verses long. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, When a woman gives birth and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean for seven days, as in the days of her menstruation. She shall be unclean. This is a really good place to just invite any children who haven't left the room yet to do so. Because you just raise too many questions for your parents. On the eighth day, this is verse three. um, I'm sorry. Verse two. uh, As in the days of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. On the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 33 days. She shall not touch any consecrated thing, nor enter the sanctuary until the days of her purification are completed. But if she bears a female child... Then she shall be unclean for two weeks, as in her menstruation, and she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 66 days. When the days of her purification are completed for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the doorway of the tent of meeting a one-year-old lamb for a burnt offering, and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her, and she shall be cleansed from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who bears a child, whether male or female. But if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two young pigeons. The one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her and she will be clean. Isn't that exciting? So now you can see why I thought this was an unenviable task. Um, And you know what? From here we can go on to explore the path from unenviable task to the kind of excitement that I really have now about this passage. So there it is, Leviticus 12. Uh, I shared this passage with several people in order to get their response over the last few weeks. And uh, when some of them first read it, they were skeptical that there might be an application for us in 21st century, middle-class, suburban America. But there is. In fact, when I first read this passage... Um, knowing that I would have to deliver a message on it, um, I immediately landed on a very practical application. But I changed my mind about that. Um, It's not that I don't think there's a really practical application. It's that I just landed on the wrong application because I didn't really understand what I was reading. So we should probably pray together and ask the Lord to deliver the message he wants delivered today. So let's do that together. Heavenly Father, I know that there are two parts to a message being delivered. One is the message, maybe three parts. The second is the messenger. The third is the one receiving the message. The message is sent from you, and it is pure. Uh, In this case, I am the messenger, and I am not. And we are the recipients of the message, and neither are we pure. Uh, In many ways, we bear our uncleanness right here into your presence. And it is only by the blood of Jesus Christ that we are able to stand here today and be seen by you as clean. And it's knowing all of those things that I ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak this morning, but also to be with our ears that we may hear. Amen. So I came in this morning all pumped up after two weeks of being kind of apprehensive, and uh, I... Heard from one of our brothers in the Lord. who said to me, "Are you?" I heard a rumor that you were going to be preaching this morning. Is it true? And so I immediately said, "Why?" <laughs> um, he goes, "Because of you know the way that you delivered the last message. It was just really looking forward to it and everything." And and his enthusiasm was so huge and overwhelming that uh, it really encouraged me. And so, you know who you are, and I thank you. Hopefully, the rest of us will become enthusiastic. Um, (laughs) So, this is the first thing I want to do. I want us to notice a few things about this passage. First, in Leviticus 12 God declares that there is a difference between giving birth to a boy and giving birth to a girl. And I want you to think of it that way. Uh, I don't want you to think that there's just some physical difference. Because I don't have experience in that realm. And I don't know if there's a physical difference in giving birth to a, a, a boy versus a girl. Um, And I hope never to have that experience. It's important to realize that science doesn't have an answer about any difference. And tradition has some answers, but those are just traditions. The point is that it is God who identified and stated two different things. One, if a boy is produced, and another, if a girl is produced. Second thing I want us to notice is that human blood is part of this equation. It's not like what went before. Um, In fact, the third thing is that whatever it is that God's talking about here in Leviticus 12, it is different from what came before it in the law. Do you remember last week, Pastor Alex was talking about food and clean and unclean animals and things that died and what would happen if someone came into contact with the carcass of a dead animal. And so this is entirely different from that. This is as different as humans are from animals. So let's get into these three things. First thing, uh, and I want to deal with this right off the top, Uh, get it out of the way. In Leviticus 12, it is God who declares that there is a difference between giving birth to a boy and giving birth to a girl. Some people will read this passage or hear those words, and the only thing that they'll be able to focus on is the fact that the purification time was twice as long for a girl as for a boy. And if we get stuck there, we'll miss the point. I was stuck there trying to figure out how to explain it. And I realized that I missed the point for a long time. So if we get stuck here, we will miss the point that it's God's declaration. That makes the difference. Here's what I do when I find a passage like this that raises questions in my mind. Um, Questions like, why does God declare this difference? Um, I go to scripture and I see what the rest of scripture has to say about the matter. And in this case, it doesn't say anything. Um, no it really doesn't There's, there are two references back to this both of them are in Luke chapter 2 they're in the account of you know, Luke's gospel where Luke is giving the account of the birth of Jesus and in Luke one fifty nine, he speaks to the circumcision and the naming of John the baptizer and then in Luke 2.21 he speaks to the the circumcision and the naming of Jesus. And that's all there is. There's no discussion anywhere in Scripture about why God declares a difference in the purification time between giving birth to a boy and giving birth to a girl. He just doesn't talk about it. So I went to some rabbis, Not personally, some writings of rabbis. And I went to some Christian theologians over the centuries, and here's what I found. Several creative ideas and some really eloquent arguments uh, and and well-reasoned arguments about what this could be. And they all had one thing in common. They were just people's opinions. although I value and I can learn a lot from people's opinions, they are not what our understanding of God's word is based upon. We don't trust in people's opinions to tell us what God is saying. We trust in God to reveal by his Holy Spirit what he is talking about. And it was the point at which I came to that realization that I was able to Stop thinking about the difference between the two and started asking the question: what is the main point? So there is literally no authoritative statement on the question of why God declares the purification time from the birth of a boy to be different from the purification time from the birth of a girl. It's almost as if God is saying, don't try to figure it out. Just do it because I said so. Which is incredibly unsatisfying. But... It's so much in character with who God is. My wife pointed out to me something I've known for a long time. And it was very helpful in helping me to sort through that particular issue. And it's in Deuteronomy chapter 29, right at verse 29, which says this. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and our sons forever, that we may observe all the words of this law. So what God is doing in Israel is he's revealing what he values. Pastor Alex said that last week. God is revealing in these laws what. He values, and he is encouraging us to adopt his values. So before I finish point one, I want to let you know that God is not establishing the value of boys above the value of girls. That is not what he is doing. Actually, the idea of just do it because I said so, well, that's pretty much sums up why God established his covenant with Israel. Not the law, but his covenant with Israel. And why he gave them the law. He wanted Israel to be unique among all the peoples of the earth. There is no nation like them Because there is no God like Him. And it is their unique law that reveals that truth. So don't get stuck on the fact that there seems to be some inequity here. There is no inequity. God is not a respecter of persons, He does not favor boys over girls. Leviticus 12.6 displays the fact that the offering is the same whether the child is a boy or a girl. In fact, it almost seems, to me at least, that God is preferring women and children in general over men. Uh, Here's why I say that. The bloody discharge that follows childbirth It was a matter of healing. I mean, this is a trauma to the body to give birth, at least since the fall. And this allows an opportunity for healing. Remember, there were no modern doctors. There were no antibiotics, no stitching up of ripped tissues. There was time. And there was tenderness. And there was nurture. Remember this too. Although the mother was ceremonially unclean, that means she could not touch any consecrated object. She could not enter the sanctuary. Although she was ceremonially unclean, she was not isolated from the child or from the family. Rather than driving her back into the daily routine, God commanded that she be protected. Protected from what? From the physical stress of the daily routine taking its toll on an injured body. Here are some additional realities. Now these things are not contained in the scriptures, but these things can be seen. If we look from a positive point of view instead of from a negative point of view. What I mean by that is if we look for the blessings instead of look at the consequences. The woman was protected from the physical demands of the daily routine. She was protected from the physical demands of the sacrificial rituals. Of Leviticus, She was given the opportunity to heal and regain strength. She was protected from the physical demands of hospitality. She was protected from the possibility of contagion from various human sources. She was protected from the sexual demands of her husband. She was given time to nurture and bond with her child. These are all positive benefits of obeying what God commanded. So last week, Pastor Alex told us this, and he put it this way, the cleanness or the cleanliness laws train us to know the spiritual principles that God values so that we can know what it means to have a relationship with him. And he valued that recovery Of the mom. He also noted, Pastor Alex did last week, that being clean is about learning to value what God values. Last week, the main point was God values life, so stay away from death, from dead things. Alex made this point, and it is by far the overarching point of all the law, that God is primarily concerned about the holiness of his people. That is, he's concerned about his people adopting his values. So the value is protect life. That's what it is here. It's clear to me that we can look at this requirement of the law in at least two ways. We can look at the prohibitions, or we can look at the benefits, and we just looked at the benefits. We must avoid the trap of the deceiver. The lies of the devil. That's what devil means. It means deceiver. So I believe that focusing too narrowly on one aspect that happens to touch us emotionally or intellectually, that's getting trapped in deceit. We must see both sides, the prohibitions and the blessings. If we don't see both sides, we fall into his trap, the deceiver's trap. The prohibitions display Israel's uniqueness, the blessings display God's uniqueness together they reveal what God values God values his holiness his people's distinctiveness he values women and he values children which reminds me of this In Genesis, God declares that a man shall leave his mother and a woman leave her home and the two shall cleave to one another and become one flesh. That's about marriage. But it is mirrored in the fact that it is only after seven days that the male child is circumcised and that relationship between him and his mother begins to grow a little more distant. And it is only 33 days more that she spends with him before going back into the routines of the day, but it is twice as long for the relationship between the mother and the daughter to develop. So you see there are different ways to look at these things, and we have to see them in different ways in order to uh, have a more well-rounded perspective of who God is. And remember this, God values life. That's why he commanded his people to stay away from dead things in Leviticus 11. And that brings us to point two. Second point, in this case, human blood is part of the equation. And that refers and brings us back to the fall. Uh, Because before the fall, there was no blood shed. But it is after the fall that blood becomes shed and death enters. It is actually the pouring out of blood that leads to death. The entrance of death into the human system, into the human experience, Is illustrated by menstruation. See, menstruation is the expelling from the body of a dead egg. That didn't happen before the fall. It's the result of the fall. It's about death, the death of an egg and the issue of blood that accompanies it. That's why in two places in Leviticus, actually we're in chapter 12, right? This isn't going to happen until chapter 15 and again in chapter 18 where God tells Moses about the rules having to do with menstruation. But the point is it's about dealing with the result of sin. The issue of blood is the result of sin. Why is a woman unclean after childbirth? It's, it's just part of the curse. It, it's not because women are in any way inferior. Uh, it is the end of the physical portion of the reproductive process. It's just how it works. The whole process is a reminder of the... This blew my mind that birth is a reminder of the fall. The whole reproductive cycle is a reminder of the fall. Yes, before the fall, God said, go out and multiply, fill the earth. But it was after the fall that the process changed and became a reminder of the fall. In every part of the reproductive cycle, blood comes out. Blood is issued from the woman as a result of damage to her physical body and from the reproductive organs. Blood going out of a person is a result of the fall. It's the sign of death. But for the man, it was the, and again, this is a sensitive issue and it's later on in Leviticus that we learn this, but for the man, it's the issue of semen that made him unclean because Semen is closely associated with blood and life. And if it goes out, that's a reminder of the curse and of death. The whole process is surrounded with blood and it's a reminder of the fall. Sorry, that was was just hard. It was hard to say. I'm sure it was hard to hear so let's leave it for a while and go on to the third thing. The third thing is that whatever God is talking about here in Leviticus 12, it's different from what came before. See, purification, if you run into the carcass of a dead animal, you're unclean until evening. And then you're clean. No sacrifice, no healing. It's just, okay, it's evening now, you're clean. But in this case, human blood is different. It's a reminder of sin, and so there's an offering made later. Wasn't that a short point? I mean, it, it, that's, that's the thing, you know, human blood is different. The curse affects everything in creation. We know that from the New Testament. But the difference is really limited to when, an, when you come in contact with an animal corpse, take a little time. After the evening, you can go be in the temple again. You can go make your sacrifice. You can go to the place of sacrifice. But if it's human blood, it's completely different. You've got to wash. Depending on what it was that came into contact, you have to wash your clothes. You have to wash your utensils. You might have to break some of them and destroy them and never use them again. Nothing like that when it was animal blood. So what? Aren't you glad we got there already? So what? Well, in the first thing, God values life. God values life. He values women. He values children. He values men. There are ways to get Back to fellowship with him. That's the whole point of Leviticus. Teaching his people how to have a relationship with him. How to deal with the thing that separates us from him. What it is that he requires. Why is it he required these things? He doesn't explain it. He commands it. God values life, and our lives are to reflect the same value. The second, so what? God overcomes the effect of the fall by giving children. Yes, before the fall, he commanded, be fruitful and multiply. That was great. And I'm sure it was way better than it is now. And if it had remained that way, we would, we have no idea of the blessings we would be receiving from God. But it didn't go that way, and we are where we are. And now we look at childbirth and we think, this is the next generation. This is life going on. Right? Right? In the law, it was a picture of sin. But under grace, under God's grace, with God's mercy, the birth of children is an amazing gift. And it allows us to go on as a race. And what that means is it allows us to be, to exist in Praise of his glory because we have more to whom we can communicate the gospel. God overcomes the effect of the fall partly by giving children. Yes, yes, he overcomes death by giving life. Yes, it's both. Extended to the physical realities, like we die, and to the spiritual realities, we are separated from God. And it is only in the person of Jesus Christ and through his shed blood that we are able even to enter into a relationship with him. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrificial system, including Leviticus 12. Third, so what? When we go through our lives, if we are to honor God, if we are to enter into a relationship with him and continue in that relationship, we no longer have to do what they had to do in the old covenant. They had to continually bring offerings for their sin in order to make them right and be able to approach God. That's what clean and unclean is really about. It's about Becoming in a condition in which we can approach God on His terms. He satisfied that requirement once for all, for all time in the blood of Christ. So we have one responsibility. Walk in faith and holiness. Walk, that means go through your life. That's how we go through life. We walk one step at a time, one day at a time, one moment after another. We walk, we step from here to there, trusting God in faith and living according to his values in holiness. So walk with God in faith and holiness. Walk with God by valuing what he values and living life as though we really value it. Because God does not always say why. Sometimes he says exactly what he said to Peter. Peter? To Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. It's everything you need. It's all you need. My grace is sufficient for you. You don't need to understand why. You don't need to understand my timing. You don't need to know how. You don't need to know what's going to happen. You don't need to know the plan. That speaks to my heart because I want to know the plan. I can endure anything if I know the plan. God doesn't always reveal the plan. He doesn't. The hidden things, God knows it. If he knows it, and he's not saying it, he's hiding it. But that's okay, because the hidden things belong to the Lord. The things he's revealed, like his values and how to walk in faith and holiness, the things he's revealed belong to us and to our children forever. For one reason so that we can walk in accordance with his law translate that we can walk according to the things he values see we are constantly being cleansed from sin not through the Old Testament sacrifices but through what The New Testament declares, we have an advocate with the father. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. We need to be walking there every day, constantly being cleansed from sin through our confession of our errors And our agreement with God's value and then seeking his empowering in order to be able to walk according to those values. We make dead choices every day. I said that in plural. I said choices, right? It's not that we make a dead choice every once in a while. We make multiple dead choices every day. But we have that advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. We need him to do what scripture tells us he's doing, by the way. He lives forever to make intercession for us. So those three so what's boil down to one thing. At least I think they do. Let God invade your life and push death and the deceiver out the door. How do we do that? There's one way we do that. It's by knowing him. How do we do that? There's only one way that we do that by reading what he's written about himself. And even so, all then that we gather is information. So how do we walk in that? By faith, that means believing him. No matter what the circumstances look like, believing he told us the truth, by walking in faith, and by walking according to his spirit, which means we learn his word, we find out what he values, we discuss it among ourselves, we hear messages like this, and we flat out tell him, I don't have the strength for this. I need you to do it in me. Debbie said that when she was given birth. To our firstborn, she said, if I could just have a rest, I could do this. But the process had started. There's no stopping it. There is, and in fact, you get to a point and it seems like there's nothing in heaven or earth that could stop it. She had, at that point, to trust that God who made this process knew what he was doing and could get her through the next several pushes and contractions. And he did. It didn't stop her from saying, if I could just have a rest. She didn't have the strength. It's God who put it in her to do that. Thank you. So we made a decision this week. Uh, You know what? We have another song. And we're going to do it, so worship team, come on up. Uh, you may notice that there's no bread and wine or juice out here for today. Um, that's too bad, because this is, this is the perfect, Leviticus 12 is the perfect <laughs> message for communion, to build communion around. It's, I never thought that when I first read it. But I think it now, I think it now because it so clearly points out to us that God values life and he made a way to get back to him.